Hello, hello. I'm Anna Lively, and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl, and I'm enjoying the Winter Olympics as well as the start of some collegiate sports seasons like softball. Well, speaking of sports, on the podcast today, I am joined with summer Paralympian and soon-to-be winter Paralympian, Danny Arovich. I was so glad to have the opportunity to talk with Danny before the start of the Winter Paralympics in March. We will be talking about how she overcame adversity, growing up since she was born different, how she got into different Paralympic sports, and more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Well, I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer, so here is the episode. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. And today I am excited for you all to hear this episode because I am joined with a Paralympian, not only from the Summer Paralympics, but also who's about to compete in the Winter Paralympics, Danny Arovich. Danny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited for this. I'm so excited too. So, Obviously, you were born without your left hand and forearm, and you had to be a fighter right from the beginning. How, how were you able to stay strong growing up when you had to go through all those other obstacles that other kids didn't have to? I would say that definitely the way my parents raised me helped with that. And even though I looked physically different from my peers, I was really lucky that my parents put me in sports at a young age. And I think that really helped develop my confidence. And that's great. So obviously you just talked about that, but growing up, what was it like being different a little bit and being around other athletes that may not have looked the same? It's funny. um, People, I think out of kindness and not really knowing would always say that I was such an inspiration when I was playing sports with them. But for me, it just felt like I was doing what, you know, every normal kid should be doing. And so I almost got frustrated when people made those comments. But it was just like figuring out how to do sports and whatever activity in a different way. So like for softball, for example, I would have to take my mitt on and off when I would catch the ball. And I would just have to figure out how to do that as fast as possible because I never wanted my disability to inhibit me from having a starting position or being able to play with the able-bodied peers. That's so cool that you talk about like not only wanting to be inspiring, but doing the sport for yourself. And I'm curious, I play softball as well, but what position did you like to play or what was your favorite aspect of playing softball? I loved to play outfield, left field, particularly. (laughs) Nice. I think it's the most fun because I just had no fear when it would come to catching the ball. So I'd be the person who'd be like throwing myself all over the outfield, diving or jumping or whatever we had to do in order to catch the ball. So that was definitely my favorite position. That's awesome. And so you played some softball, but then you became a division one cross country and track and field athlete. What was your favorite part of running and what was your favorite events to compete in? 
When I ran in college, I was primarily focused on long distance. So I did cross country, which was either five or six Ks. And then in track and field, I would either do the mile or the two mile. And I definitely loved the two mile a lot. I think where my natural knack in running is primarily long distance running. Awesome. Well, you have to be good at long distance because that is definitely tough. I mean, I couldn't do that for one. So (laughs) goes to you for sticking with it for so long. (laughs) Thank you. So you competed in college, but when did you know that you wanted to compete in the Paralympics? I didn't really know a ton about the Paralympics. I was somewhat aware of it. And my mom had looked into it briefly, but I was really focused on actually getting a job in professional sports. So while I was in my undergraduate, I wanted to try to get a job after school with a professional sports team. I was lucky enough to do internships in undergrad with um, an NFL team as well as an NBA team. And I landed at my first job with the Utah Jazz after graduation on the business side of the organization. And so obviously I wanted to stay involved in sports, but not being an athlete. And it was while I was working there that I wasn't feeling as fulfilled as I thought I would in my actual career. And so I started looking more into the Paralympics, talking to some people about it. And I started training loosely um, in January of 2019. So about six months into my job. And from there, it kind of ended up taking over and eventually kind of made it so I couldn't really work a full-time job, especially in the sports industry. And then I became an athlete myself again. Well, that's a unique story to hear because you went from, you know, graduating from college and getting that job that you were hoping to get into the sports world, but then changing your path and finding out what you were more passionate about. And so You just competed in your first Paralympics last fall in Tokyo. Congratulations, first off. Thank you. What was it like for you having to like wait an extra year because of COVID, but then being able to make your Paralympic debut in track and field? To be honest, as tough as it was for everyone with the delay, I think it probably helped me a little bit. So I had an extra year of training because If Tokyo had gone as scheduled, I would have only started training for it a year and five or six months beforehand. So the extra year might have worked in my favor for that purpose in order to qualify. Um, But it definitely was a different game experience due to COVID and the protocols. So hoping that, you know, in the next five, 10 years, we can see a normal Olympic and Paralympic games so athletes can get the full experience again. Yes, hopefully by Paris in 2024, the, yeah. the Olympics <laughs> and Paralympics will be more, more normalized. Yes, hopefully. But speaking of that, so you not only competed in that Paralympics uh, this past fall, but mm-hmm. you are already qualified to compete in paranordic skiing in this winter Paralympics in a few weeks, which is amazing that you're going to do two Paralympics in less than a year. Thank you. I'm curious, when did you get into this sport and how do you balance training between the different sports throughout your year? I ended up getting into paranordic actually through training for Paralympic track and field. 
Paranordic is a pretty small program and there's just not a lot of people who are brought up doing this sport. And so the program looks at athletes from other endurance based sports and tries to kind of recruit them into it and see if they would enjoy something like that. So in the winter of 2020, late 2019 is when I first tried out the sport at a developmental camp and I was really focused on making the track team for Tokyo at that point. And so after I did that camp, I was kind of unsure how to proceed with this. But I realized there were a few other Paralympians who were doing the summer winter dual sport, and they all happened to be Nordic skiers. So seeing them being able to juggle two sports simultaneously and being successful at both sports was really motivating that this would be a possibility. And I told the coaches early on that if I was going to do Nordic, I wasn't going to just do it as a recreational activity or anything like that. I would only want to do it at the highest level possible. And so for the rest of 2020, I tried to balance the two. And then we had the delay of the games. And then that following winter, the team invited me to come up and train with them. And so I really dove more so into Nordic last winter. And now that Tokyo is done, this whole winter has been dedicated to Nordic. That's such a cool like experience to hear just like that journey so far for you from like trying that sport out. Are, do you feel that you're able to transfer any skills between doing track and field and running versus this, the winter sport? I don't know if I get a ton of crossover because I was doing a pretty short distance event mm-hmm. in track and field for Tokyo. I was running in the 400 meters And for skiing, the shortest race I usually would have would be a kilometer or 1.2 kilometers, and it will go anywhere up to 15 kilometers. So I definitely, by competing in Tokyo this summer, missed out on a really high volume base summer leading into the winter, but I've just been trying to rebuild up my endurance and transfer a lot of that over. But I do see some positive aspects of the track and field and the strength that was required for the 400 to be able to do some of the shorter distance skis. That's great. And I know you talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but you just finished uh, doing the Worlds recently in Norway. So you're going right from Worlds to the Paralympics then. Uh, How do you feel it helps you getting to have a big competition like that right before the winter Paralympics. World championships were originally supposed to be last year, but due to COVID they were canceled. So it wouldn't be normal that they would have a um, world championships this close to the Paralympic games. But I think it was a really great opportunity to be able to see some of the competition before the games and also get the experience again of traveling internationally and trying to get adjusted to training and life on the road. Um, We have now about three weeks before we have to head out to China. And so it, I think, was a good amount of time in between world championships and the games so that people can recover and then also continue to build up leading into the games. Well, that's awesome. And so you have only a few weeks left, but heading into the Winter Paralympics, 
What are your goals for yourself as this is your first winter games? I have to be pretty realistic and easy on myself leading into this games because I am so new to the sport. So I can't really sit here and say that like my goal is to be meddling and, you know, smashing records or doing anything like that because realistically, like just even qualifying for the games after just skiing for two years will be a big triumph in itself. I think that myself and my coaches are trying to use Beijing as a really good stepping stone in my career and a learning, a big learning opportunity in comparison to others, you know, who are striving to be making a podium in every single event they enter. Whereas for me, I think it's right now more so a learning process and what we're thinking big picture is I need some more time on skis, on snow and competitions, just getting more familiar with the sport and really gearing up to try to make Milan 2026 my big games. Well, that's awesome that you're able to like use this, this games in 2022 as like a learning point for you before the 2026 games in Italy, as you talked about in Milan. And so how, how can me and the listeners, how, how can we watch you uh, compete in this paranordic skiing? So luckily with Tokyo and Beijing, NBC is doing a fantastic job of airing a ton of Paralympic coverage. And so NBC and their different platforms like Peacock will be airing the Paralympics in March 4th and run through March 13th. Awesome. So March 4th, starting point for these winter Paralympics and Peacock. So exciting. I'm excited to see you compete out there. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I think it's so great and inspiring to hear stories like yourself of amazing Paralympians who have overcome even more obstacles to be where they are today in their sport. And so how, how do you think we can continue to bring awareness and grow the Paralympics? I think that with growing the Paralympics and making it more of a household name, it starts really with viewership. I think it's similar to be said, you know, for women's basketball and a ton of different women's sports and maybe some more niche sports that aren't getting the coverage or the attention or the monetary opportunities that some of the big sports are getting. It all kind of starts with the fan base and the people at home. So if people start watching and tuning in more and really taking an interest and enjoy the sport for what it is. I think that that will just help continue to snowball affect so many more positive outcomes for the Paralympic movement. Our country in particular is making great strides in making the Paralympics more inclusive and more media attention on it with the partnership with NBC and the United States Olympic Committee now renamed to the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So our country is doing a really great job. But at the end of the day, if people aren't watching our sports and tuning in, then we're not going to be able to make the progress. So I just encourage everyone to check it out. There's so many interesting things that most people have never seen, like for the winter games coming up to be able to watch 
a bl completely blind alpine skier going down a mountain at like <laughs> 60 miles per an hour following behind a guide like sports like that you may never see in the able-bodied world so to be able to have these opportunities in the media and sponsorship opportunities really does start with that viewership at home well thank you for sharing that I think that's awesome what you said there like uh, starting with our country with changing the name to including the Paralympic as well, because that's such an important part because Paralympians are incredible. And you just talked about it a little bit yourself, um, being able to see these sports that you wouldn't normally be able to see and like people that can't see and being able to ski like that fast. I mean, I can't even ski looking at it I mean like you have to have the talent so like I'm so excited to see because I think the Paralympics can continue to grow as well as the female sports like you talked about a little bit and so yeah everybody out there let's just keep let's grow these Paralympics and continue to and support all the amazing athletes Ooh, all right and so <laughs> Obviously, you're a big role model for other people. I mean, your story is inspiring, but not only for the inspiration part, but because you're so talented and continuing to try new sports. And so to other young <laughs> girls and boys who were born different, what advice would you give to them about not giving up amidst the hard times? I think that sport is one area of life that people can really be themselves no matter what background they come from, who, what they look like, what differences they might have. So I just encourage anyone who is young and trying to find their passion in life, and it might not end up being sport, but to always give sport a try because sport really does save lives, I believe. I firmly believe that through many different avenues, it does that. But in the hard times, I think obviously leaning on people that you love and finding something you're passionate about, because that's all what we're trying to do in this lifetime is find something we're good at, find something we enjoy, and hopefully can make a living out of it. So for people who are trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, it's just staying patient and basically trying anything and everything you can, because you never know what might surprise you. That's some awesome gold nuggets of advice. <laughs> oh my gosh, thanks. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, last but not least, what I always do with my guests on my interviews is what I call my favorite okay. five questions. So okay. first off, what has been your favorite memory from your athletic career and why? Ooh, Okay, I would say my favorite memory from my athletic career would probably be way back in high school, I had been a longtime soccer, basketball, softball player, and I tried out running my junior year, and I was good at it, but not Wait, great. Are you, are you saying you only started running in <laughs> that grade, and then you competed division one? Yes. <laughs> That is incredible. You got that good that fast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of surprising to be honest that I was recruited division one considering like for the other sports that I was playing, I was always like somewhat mediocre, 
and probably could not have competed at that level of collegiate athletics. But um, yeah, so I started pretty, pretty late junior year of high school. And in my first track and field season, I had only run the two mile event um, once that season. And I ended up in the second time I ran at our district competition, I ended up qualifying for state. And that was kind of one of my first races that I really like felt this spark of something that now that I've done, you know, track and field and Nordic skiing, any sport that involves racing is particularly an individual sport, I think requires a certain type of psychopath. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a very unique person, but it's the first time I ever kind of felt that endurance spark in me that really fueled now what I'm doing. And so that would probably be one of my favorite athletic memories. That is so cool. I, I can't believe you started <laughs> junior year of high school, which is the year I'm in right now. And then you, oh, not, yeah. only, you not only went on to compete in division one, Danny, but you went on to compete in track and field in the Paralympics. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. So this is another fun one. What was your favorite school subject and why? My favorite school subject was history. My mom was a big history buff and really instilled in me a love of history. And for a long time, I wanted my job to be being a museum curator, like to collect artifacts for museums. And I went into college with history and political science on my radar for a potential major. And I ended up doing business. Um, but yeah, it was just something that I always really enjoyed and thought was super interesting at school. That's cool. What was your like favorite part about history? Did you like like world history, American history, sports history? I loved U.S. history, like Civil War, uh, Revolutionary War. I really enjoyed, yeah, some of the early U.S. history periods. Awesome. Okay, and the next one is a good one as well. What would you tell the younger version of yourself? Ooh. I would tell the younger version of myself that I need to be okay with things not going the way I want them to go. I think being like a highly anxious particular person, like I always try to plan things exactly down to a science and have it all figured out, you know, with far, far in advance. And I think that if I just sometimes when I was younger, been okay, diverting from the path, maybe I thought I was supposed to be on, or doing things in a different way, I would probably have been a lot less stressed. And who knows, maybe I would have found like the Paralympics sooner, maybe uh, my career might have taken a different change. So I think being willing to divert from your path and experiment with new things. That's great. But you still ended up finding the Paralympics, which is even better. <laughs> and I assume you're probably, you don't get many days off because you're going from one Paralympics to the next. <laughs> if you had a day off and you could plan your ideal day, how do you think you would spend it? Ooh. I think my ideal day would still probably involve some type of exercise, whether it be like downhill skiing, maybe hiking, maybe just even going on a walk. 
I think I would definitely go out to eat for every meal because I hate cooking and I hate eating at home. <laughs> and so I would definitely go out to eat for every meal. Um, what are your favorite meals for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like my favorite foods for those? Yes. Okay. Breakfast. I mean, I love like a good, you know, like a 11 a.m. brunch with some hearty food, like some crossover to lunch food um, for lunch. Ooh, I don't know. I have been trying to be getting, you know, hitting my vegetable count. So <laughs> a good salad for dinner. I would eat steak and mashed potatoes every dinner if I was allowed, <laughs> <laughs> if I could afford it. <laughs> but yeah, probably going out to eat a lot, probably spending some time outdoors and spending time with people I love. Hey, that sounds like a pretty fun day to me. Yes. <laughs> and the last question is if people described you in one word, what do you think it would be and why? Oh boy. <laughs> Should I think of a positive word or <laughs> less, a less positive word? <laughs> um, one word. I'll go more positive. Let's say vivacious. I'm very loud. I'm very outgoing. I'm very like big personality when I step into a room. So vivacious. Nice. I could have got taken it more negative and been like obnoxious. No, positive, <laughs> positive outlook here. We're, we're taking probably use obnoxious things. too. That's okay. We're going with vivacious here. Vivacious. Yeah, it's a nice word. Well, awesome. Well, Danny, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. It was of so fun getting to hear about your journey so far into the Paralympics, multiple Paralympics about to be. <laughs> and I can't wait. Everybody, we got to watch Danny compete at near the beginning of March on Peacock. And I hope you have a great time competing. And I can't wait to thank see you. what, what <laughs> your future holds for the Paralympic Games. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.